just keep showing up like again yeah. and again and again where i think i read something recently that was like you know fall down seven times stand up eight and it's yeah. really this idea especially in entrepreneurship in general like your first one is not going to be a success your second one might not be your third your fourth your fifth your tenth may not be but if you keep showing yeah. up you keep trying you keep innovating you keep listening you keep learning and reflecting on what you're doing um good things happen Welcome to MedSider, where you can learn from the brightest founders and CEOs in medical devices and health technology. Join tens of thousands of ambitious doers as we unpack the insights, tactics, and secrets behind the most successful life science startups in the world. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. Hey everyone, it's Scott. In this episode of MedSider, I sat down with Anish Kishaw, an ex-physician turned healthcare investor at Amplitude Ventures, one of Canada's leading healthcare VC firms. His engagement with venture capital began at M Ventures in Amsterdam, a corporate VC fund of Merck, where he quickly developed a passion for the field. Anish is skilled in scientific due diligence and well aware of the value of networking. Outside of his professional pursuits, Anish is an avid reader and writer who has published over 900 articles and summarized 250 books across 50 various categories. Anish has also authored two books, the latest of which is titled From Here to There, Anish Guide to Navigating Career Transitions. Here for you the key things that we discussed in this conversation as it relates to raising venture capital. First, get to the bottom of the problem you're solving. Clearly define the gap, the solution, the regulatory process, and how it's going to be reimbursed. Show VCs that you're not improvising and that you have a well-considered roadmap with clear, achievable milestones. Second, to make a memorable pitch deck, keep it short and clean. Know your audience, personalize your pitch, include hard evidence, invest in design and readability, and deliver all of these in a story that resonates. Third, always be in fundraising mode. You don't always get an intro, so be proactive in approaching people and telling your story. Find them online and send them emails, approach other players in the industry as they often know the best opportunities. All right, before we jump into this episode, I wanted to let you know that the latest edition of MedSider Mentors is now live. We just published volume five, which summarizes the key learnings from the most popular MedSider interviews over the last several months with incredible entrepreneurs like Gabriel Jones, CEO of Proprio, Kirsten Carroll, CEO of Can Do Health, Dr. David Albert, founder of AliveCore, Greg Bullington, CEO of Magnolia Medical, and other leaders of some of the hottest startups in our space. Look, it's tough to listen or read every interview that comes out, even the best ones, but there are so many valuable lessons you can pick up from the founders and CEOs that join our program. So that's why we decided to create MedSider Mentors. It's the easiest way for you to learn from the world's best medical device and health technology entrepreneurs in one central place. To check out the latest volume, head over to medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. Premium members get free access to all past and future volumes. If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. In addition to every volume of MedSider Mentors, you'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. You'll also be able to see all of our playbooks, which are handpicked collections of the most insightful interviews with the brightest founders and CEOs that join our program. Whether you're looking to master capital fundraising, navigate early stage development, tackle regulatory challenges, understand reimbursement, or position your venture for a meaningful exit, MedSider Playbooks have you covered. And last, considering that fundraising can be one of the most daunting tasks for any startup, we created a meticulous database of investors right at your fingertips. Explore a wealth of VC funds, private equity firms, angel groups, and more, all eager to invest in medical device and health technology startups. Access to this database is a premium member exclusive, so don't miss out. Learn more about MedSider Mentors and our premium memberships by visiting medsiderradio.com forward slash mentors. All right, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. All right, Anish, welcome to uh, MedSider Radio. 
appreciate Thank you coming you. on, man. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a little bit uh, of a unique interview because most of the time, as as, as uh, you know, if you if you've been around MedSider for a while, I typically have you know founders and CEOs of what I you know seed to kind of series series C uh, med tech and health tech startups. I like to break my own rules a lot, right? Especially <laughs> yeah. with, uh, with with folks that have really interesting backgrounds like yourself. So um, let's start there. I recorded a yeah. brief bio at the outset of this episode, uh, but you know, you're a uh, Physician turned VC, right? But also, do, you know, prolific writer. In fact, we'll talk a little bit about your your most recent book. But yeah, let's let's start let, let's start there. Give give us kind of a, a high level overview of your professional background leading up to kind of where you're at with Amplitude right now. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much. Super excited to be here, and, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to you know change change the boundary a little bit and and make some <laughs> of this a little unique. Uh, so yeah, happy to. So in terms of my background, so uh, from Canada, originally from Toronto, kind of born and raised, brought up here. And uh, what happened for me was I uh, originally thought I was going to go to medical school. And so, you know, was was planning on being a doctor. That was kind of the, the path that was set out for me. And then when I was in high school, uh, got really interested in business and this idea of like, you know, economic, particularly economics, like I took economics class. and I was just like, oh, this is really cool and different. Uh, and so when I was applying to high school or out of high school into university, applied to a bunch of business programs, applied to a bunch of science programs, uh, got into a few places and then ended up getting to medical school in the UK. And so I thought, you know what, if I can get the opportunity to, to become a doctor and see where that takes me, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and, and see where that goes. So I ended up moving to Scotland when I was 17, uh, very young at the time, and it still kind of surprises me that I went all the way over there. And so I spent six years at, uh, at university in Scotland. So I went to one place called the University of St. Andrews, uh, the home of golf, if people are golf fans. I uh, spent, spent a bit of time there and, and definitely was a golfer. Uh, and then also spent three years at the University of Edinburgh. Um, and so that was where I also did a bunch of clinical electives in Canada. Uh, so I worked at uh, the hospital in Edmonton uh, in Alberta uh, for about four months. And then every summer I was coming back and doing research. So like clinical research, I was in labs and, you know, trying to sort of, you know, work on a bunch of clinical medicine problems. So um, I thought I was going to be a doctor. That was the goal. That was the plan. That was what I set out to do. And then as life happens for many people, it gets in the way and things change and, and stuff goes on. So when I was finishing my time in Alberta, this was uh, sort of going to my final year of medicine. Um, and I was applying to residency back in Canada. So in order at that time to apply, you had to take two exams. Um, so one of them was a clinical exam uh, where, you know, you're assessing patients and sort of walking through different cases. Um, and then another one was a multiple choice exam. And at the time, uh, what I the information I was told based on one of my uh, professors was that, you know, we just need to pass both of them. That's it. You're all good. And once you do that, like you have a good shot at getting in. Uh, it turns out that wasn't the case. Um, and actually, one of the exams that I did, uh, I didn't do very well on. Uh, the other one I did really well, the OSCE, but the multiple choice one I didn't. And unfortunately, just the way the system worked at that time was that that was sort of the gating exam in order like a threshold to kind of get in. And so even though I had like, you know, I had five first author publications, I went to medicine abroad, you know, I did all these things like, you know, in the summers they didn't look at me. So I basically didn't get a residency job for a year. And so that was kind of like, okay, you know, I had a year out and I was like, okay, what am I going to do in this time? Um, and so at that time, I was also still kind of falling out of love with medicine. I just kind mm. of realized like it was very administrative. Um, it was much more bureaucratic, very political, very much like a cookie cutter. Like you have to do all these other things in order to kind of follow the path. And at that time, I was like, you know, if I can leave or if I can do something different, let me try that. So um, I ended up reaching out to actually people in sort of subsequent, like um, sort of adjacent industries. Like I went, I talked to a banker, I talked to a consultant, um, I talked to people in pharma. And I was like, hey, like, what do you guys do? What's it like? How do things go on? So I ended up speaking to them um, and all of them kind of gave me the same advice, which is like, go back to residency, finish your job and then kind of come talk to us. And I was like, okay, I'm not so sure about that in my own head because I was like, why would I spend an extra few years if I know I don't really want to do this? But okay, sure, like that's fine, no problem. Um, and then I got to basically my end of my final year, uh, finished exams, finished finals, and uh, was had a year off. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So at that time, was the plan was actually to go back to school uh, to do a degree in London. Um, it was a one-year master's in drug discovery and pharma management. Um, and um, 
yeah, I thought I was going to go. I, I met the program director, had a friend who went in, um, thought, thought, you know, it was a great program. Uh, and then, uh, so applied, I got into that. This was like, so I, I applied in like July and the program started in October. So basically had like a month off or a couple months off to just basically figure out what I want to do. So at that time I kept reaching out to folks, kept, you know, having conversations, cold emailing, talking to whoever, uh, and everything went nowhere. So I think I applied to probably, I don't know, 75 to hundred jobs during that time. Like, and literally just like, didn't get anywhere. I mean, I got interviews, ended up getting an interview with a bank. Uh, Jeffrey's actually in New York uh, and then LEK in London. Uh, and again, they were like, you know, unfortunately you're not, you're not who we want. And I was like, okay, that's fine. It's all good. I, I I totally get it. And then all of a sudden, my dad is like, hey, have you heard of this thing called venture capital? Um, and I, you know, I, I'm sure I don't know about you, but for me, it was one of those things that in medicine, you definitely do not hear about uh, and are not aware of. And I was like, what the hell is a venture capital? Like, I, I you know, I didn't know about that. Um, and so uh, the only the only context I had for that was actually the show Silicon Valley, which was, you know, the one <laughs> HBO where, you know, all the tech guys and I was like, oh, this is just in tech. Uh, my dad's like, no, it's actually in healthcare. I was like, I genuinely had no idea, like never heard about it, thought about it, never came up across my thing. So basically, this was like a Sunday in August. Um, and I basically looked up the top 75 VC firms around the world in healthcare. And I just cold emailed them. I said, hey, my name's Anish. Like, I just graduated. I'd love to talk to you if you're open to it. Like, if not, no worries. Um, and as you can imagine, most people don't respond because that's how the world works. Uh, but a few people did. And I was really grateful that a lot of people got on the phone with me. Some people wrote me nice long messages. Um, and then one group came back and was like, hey, we actually have an internship. Are you interested? And I was like, of course I am. But, you know, I'd been rejected from 100 jobs. So I was like, there's no way they're going to take me like just absolutely no chance. And so I went through three rounds of interviews with them. Uh, and the last uh, day was actually two days before I was about to move to London because I still thought I wasn't going to get this job. And they're like, yeah, we really like you. We'll see you in Amsterdam. Um, and so as you can imagine, life changes very quickly again. <laughs> Uh, so two weeks later, I got on a plane and moved to the Netherlands um, and never thought in my wildest dreams I would ever get there or be there or live there uh, and spent about seven months living there. I uh, worked for a group called M Ventures. Uh, it was a corporate VC fund of Merck um, or EMD Sorono, as it's known in the US. Um, mm -hmm. So I was working with a corporate venture team there for six months um, on the therapeutic side. Uh, really interesting just to see what a corporate VC is like, how it works, how it operates. Um, and then as I was finishing that, basically found out halfway through, they're like, you know, we really like you, but we don't have a job. And so I was like, okay, my parents at the time were like, hey, you should go back to medicine. And in my head, I was like, uh, absolutely not. I, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, and so I basically then again, cold emailed, reached out, talked to, I think, 100 VCs in a span of a couple of months, just literally just through like sheer force and will and resilience. And then what happened was I ended up getting three final round interviews with three different firms. One was in Germany, one was in SF, and then one was in Canada. Um, and I'd been away from home for seven years at that point. I was like, you know what, if I can come try to build something sort of back here at home um, and start something from the ground, that would be really cool. So I ended up joining Amplitude. Um, who at the time, uh, we didn't have any money. We didn't raise anything. Um, and so I joined as an early employee, um, was there in 2019, um, helped raise the first fund, which was 200 million Canadian. And then the second fund, which we're basically deploying out of now, which is 200 million US. Um, so we're managing almost half a billion dollars at this point. And yeah, I've been here for four and a half years, which is kind of crazy to me. Uh, right. And so kind of, you know, been in the venture world uh, now for over five. So yeah, anyway, that's, that's sort of the long-ish story about how I kind of got here. Amazing. Super yeah. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, like a couple, a couple of things that like I'm just, just kind of picking up on. You know, hearing you describe your background is one. You're just naturally curious, right, about a lot of things, and I think that's that's yeah. a common trend that I see with entrepreneurs across. You know, whether you're in in the VC space, but obviously you're in an you know functioning in an entrepreneurial capacity. Yeah. But even even with you know founder operators, right? There are a lot oh, of the yeah. best ones that I run into are naturally curious. But the other thing that that's kind of funny hearing you describe kind of. Just con like just grinding away, just constantly reaching to, out. Yeah. Is um, do you know Mar Marshawn Lynch, the the football? Of player? course he's, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So there's yeah. there's this fa there's this funny clip where he's um, I think he was at the super like when the Seahawks were in the Super Bowl, he's being yeah. interviewed, and 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 he's like, I'm all about the action, boss. 
you know, I'm yeah. all about that action. It was like a meme, yeah. I think that went around. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. But but it, but I I think about that a lot, right? Because that's like yeah. that's so crucial. Uh, so in, true. Like if you're early, whether you're earlier on in your career or just like yeah. in, in in the game of startups is like momentum and action typically trumps almost everything, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. my god, so, absolutely. Yeah. And resilience too. To your point, yeah. I think that's the other thing to accept is like. I think it's one of those things that you just kind of like, you. it's almost the thing that you just keep showing up like again yeah. and again and again, where I think I read something recently that was like, you know, fall down seven times, stand up eight. And it's yeah. really this idea, especially in entrepreneurship in general, like your first one is not going to be a success. Your second one might not be your third, your fourth, your fifth, your 10th may not be. But if you keep showing yeah. up, you keep trying, you keep innovating, you keep listening, you keep learning and reflecting on what you're doing. Um, good things happen. And I think that like, I mean, it's been really cool. Just, I mean, I look at my own journey sometimes and it's hard to believe that I'm even here because I don't even think about it. It's just one of those things you do. But yeah. even me, to your point, other entrepreneurs and other people who are in venture, especially young folks, because I think it's one of those that it's really hard to get into this industry as you start mm -hmm. out. Um, but every everybody I've seen and I've spoken to who has successfully gone through, they all have the same kind of like interesting path and interesting story of right, like showing up, always being there, always figuring it out as you go. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the thing I always go back to as well is like, you know, none of us know what we're doing. We're all figuring out as we go every day. But if you mm -hmm. keep showing up and keep trying, good things can happen. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I was actually listening. To, and, we'll, and we'll get to the, the substance kind of a conversation yeah. here a bit. Um, but uh, I was listening to this podcast yesterday. Uh, it's it's my first million with Sean Purry. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And course, like great, great yeah. pod. Um, yeah. And, uh, and Sean was describing like where he's at from a, a framework perspective with, with startups. And he's like, the thing that I keep gravitating, you know, back towards is this idea of like, to be successful in a startup, it's about the, the six, the six inches in front of your nose, right? Yeah. If you can just yeah. keep showing you up, saw the front. Yeah. 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 Six inches in front. And it's like, I, I think there's a, there's a, um, what was the movie? It's like any given Sunday where he's like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, it's the next six yards in front of you or something this, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, anyway, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, good stuff. So, so I guess um, to kind of set the stage for everyone listening, we're going to, yeah. we're going to like the, the bulk of this conversation is going to be going to be centered around two kind of two things around the, the first half is getting just kind of an inside glimpse, peek behind the current, you know, VCs, like what, yeah, what you, absolutely. what you typically like see, do interact yeah. with, et cetera. And, and we'll kind of go step-by-step step. And, and the goal being yeah. that if you're a, you're listening to this, you're either a founder or a CEO or involved in a startup, you have a sense for kind of like, once you send Anish a deck or whatever, yeah. like how, how does this stuff work behind the scenes? You know, yeah. how's, the, how's the sausage sort of made? And then, um, yeah. and then, and then uh, you know, maybe the back half of the conversation here, we'll focus a little bit more on your recent book, which talks yeah. about career transitions, which I think is crucial. Sure. Again, because a lot of people that are listening to, to, to MedSider are typically one, interested in startups, but they're, mm -hmm. at, a, they're at a big company. They're at a strategic, getting paid, fairly well but it's right and they yeah. want to do oh, they yeah. want us to do something a little bit more interesting but they're afraid to make that leap they're, they don't know what yeah. the transition is going to look like so yeah uh so we'll kind of we'll kind of uh you know Perfect. focus on Sounds... focus on that uh yeah that absolutely. Kind of conversation but but yeah, let's yeah. start let's start with with um kind of the, you know talking about the the world of uh of vcs right and yeah. what it's like to kind of sit in your shoes yeah. i'm going to ask you some some detailed questions here in a second but yeah just real quick on amplitude you mentioned you mm -hmm. got you're investing out of a second fund i think right now second fund. Yeah. right now um yeah. what give, give us a sense for kind of where you typically invest what what stage yeah what your typical check size is, et cetera. Yeah, happy to do that. So yeah, so Amplitude, so as I mentioned, got started a couple of years ago. We're now in our second fund, which is about 200 million US, um, investing in about, I would say, 12 to 15 companies, um, primarily focused on biotechs. We're primarily a biotech investor. I would say about 75% of our capital, kind of 80% going towards that. Um, and then the rest of the 20%, we call to what we call others. So medical devices, diagnostics, digital health, digital therapeutics, um, AI and machine learning as well. And I would say within even within that scope, like at the firm itself, just given my background as a clinician, anytime we have a sort of device or diagnostic or um, sort of other category, it tends to get sent to me. So I've seen a lot of them over the, the course of the last few years. It's I, I always found it really interesting just because to me, 
always think of it as a like, how are you solving a real problem like that a clinician faces, not just like a technologist, not just like a nice to have, not just like a, oh, you know, this is like a little bit differentiated from what's currently there. But like, how does this fit in terms of a physician and somebody at the end who would actually use this? Um, and not only how would they use it, but how would you also going to get paid for that? Because I think that's the other thing with sometimes device companies that people just highly underestimate is like a lot of the risk in my perspective is not just necessarily on the building the product, but it's really like commercializing. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of companies falter where they just don't have some of the commercial skills. So um, that's in, in terms of sense of like how we look at or how I look at companies, at least on the device side, it's really that perspective. So it's definitely more a bit more later stage companies, companies that have approved products, companies that are have like, you know, five to 10 million in revenue so far, but really they're trying to grow and scale into sort of the next phase of what they're doing. Um, those are ones that are, are more interesting to us. Um, but that being said, like I said, I've, I've seen everything from pre-seed, seed, A, B, everything. Um, yeah. In terms of check size of how we do it, we typically invest kind of five to 10 million US initially, um, can be later depending on if it's a, it's a later round. Uh, also, we do a bunch of company creation, uh, mostly on the biotech side, uh, where we have like a venture studio sort of internally at Amplitude. Um, and so we've started creating companies for the last few years. A couple of them actually have just been announced recently, um, but that's more on the bio side. Uh, so it. on the medtech side, like, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, like, we are, and it's within scope for us to invest in biotech, uh, sorry, in medtech and diagnostics and everything. Um, but finding opportunities is is, is pretty tough. Um, yeah. And so that's why for us, we're just kind of much more selective. So yeah, that's a little bit about what we do. But in terms of like my experience and exposure, um, I mean, like I mentioned, like within within our within our firm, sort of every medtech and diagnostics and digital opportunity gets sent my way. So I've definitely seen a few of them and, uh, and, and have definitely some opinions and ideas on them. Got it. Got it. Sounds good. Um, and then uh, we'll get to this in this in the second part of the, the the conversation. But just quickly touch on your most recent book again, because you yeah. you got you, you're, you're like as I mentioned earlier, you're a prolific writer on your. I mean, you've got like a, a blog with endless number of um, uh, of pieces. But yeah. most recently, just kind of give us a high level summary of the book, and you know, yeah, I want to just kind of set the stage for that, yeah, that so, part of the conversation. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so I wrote a book uh, for folks called From Here to There. Uh, it was basically called The Niche Guide to Career Transitions, and uh, essentially it was the idea of like I went through. Through, as I mentioned in the story at the top, right? Like there was many different uh, ebbs and flows to my life in terms of, you know, starting in one place, ending up in many others. And I just found that as I was going through that, like there was no good resource um, that I could go to or refer to. And, and more a resource that like, one goes through logistics, like how do you actually execute on changing careers? Like not the like theoretical, oh, it's nice to have, this is nice to do, but like genuinely like, what are the steps? What do you have to go through? How do you have to talk to people? How do you set up a resume? How do you do LinkedIn? All of this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also not just that, but more the emotional side of things. Because I think some people just highly underestimate. And even for me, my, my perspective is like, the story and the emotions that you deal with that are almost more difficult than actually logistics. Because I mean, mm -hmm. I can tell you, right, Scott, I can say like, hey, here's how you do your resume. Here's how you do LinkedIn. You're like, okay, that's helpful. But really the like fear, the guilt, the shame, the like, you know, criticism, the like, you know, getting questions and conversations with family and friends and partners and like kids. And it's, they're, they're big changes, right? Like to, to make a transition and to, to move or to travel or to do anything um, is not an easy thing. And so I think the story or really the reason for writing the book was one, logistically, how do you do it? But two, like, what are the emotional steps you go through? Because I mean, as you can imagine leaving from medicine to go into venture, talking to parents, talking to family, talking to um, friends, not the easiest thing, especially yeah. when everybody's, you know, what, what are you doing? Like you're in medicine. What, what, what was that? So um, yeah, that was the kind of the genesis for the book. And yeah, super happy with it so far because I, like the goal being is just like, you know, I find so many people today feel very stuck where they are, where, you know, to exactly what you said, they may be at a company, they may have a great job, they may be getting paid well, but they're super bored. Don't feel like they're improving anything. Don't feel like they're, they're kind of, you know, wasting away almost. And yeah. it's like, Hey, there's a lot of opportunity out there and a lot of different things. Um, 
and if you take initiative and you try for different things, as we mentioned before, like a lot of really good things can happen. So yeah, yeah that was the sort of genesis of the book. But yeah, we're happy to touch on it sort of later in the conversation. So, sounds great. I love the title, by the way. Right. Thank working, you. Yeah. Working in the uh, the niche uh, exactly as, 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 as a uh, as a father of five, I, I can yeah. appreciate puns uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So all right, yeah. let's let's uh, let's start. That's a good overview. And just for everyone listening, um, amplitudevc.com uh, is the yeah. is the website for uh, for the VC firm that that Anish works for. And then uh, we'll of course link to Anisha's personal site um, uh, as well and the full write up on on Medsider um, that you can you know you can check out his, his blog, which is very very robust, uh, as well as the, uh, the the book that we're going to be talking about as well. So with that said, uh, let's spend maybe the next fifteen minutes or so talking about kind of the world of VC. Ideally, this is as helpful as possible, right, for other, yeah. other founders and CEOs that are that are especially in the, in the throes of fundraising, right? Because it's for no, sure. no, no oh easy God, feet, yeah. <laughs> no easy feet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. So let, let's, I guess, let's start kind of in, in the beginning. If I, if I don't know you, right, Anish, yeah. and may, maybe yeah. I'm in biotech, right? Just kind of yeah. a little bit more in your house or take any other uh, VC for that matter. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a direct connection with you. So someone yeah. can't, can't, re, can't make the referral, et cetera. But I think yeah. Amplitude might be potentially a good fit for what I'm working on. Yeah. What, what's the best way to kind of get your attention? Like what, so, what do you, what do you prefer? What's maybe things that, to avoid versus things that we we should kind of lean into. What what what's your let's start there. Yeah, so definitely a, f- a few things. So again, uh, let's start with the context of to your point. Like you don't know me, you're not able to get an intro. It's really sort of hard to get to. So like, how do you how do you flag or or sort of come up with an idea? I think one uh, obviously pitch deck is sort of the most important. Is is in terms of like what are you looking for? How are you formatting it? Um, to me, in terms of like best practices or ones that I see is one, it shouldn't be very long. I would say like maybe 10 to 15 slides max. Um, it shouldn't be a lot of text on each slide because it shouldn't be too dense. It should be very quick. Um, it should really kind of describe like the way I think about it is like, what is the problem that you're solving? Um, how are you doing it? And why is it better than what everybody else is doing? Basically, the goal being is you want to just get a second. In- you want to you want them to follow up and get a second interview. Like that is really the key to kind of that first introduction. Because I've seen a lot of folks who reach out and it's like, you know, also the other thing is the email is everybody's busy. We don't have time to read like page long emails because I've gotten like two page emails. And then you look <laughs> and the deck is like 40 slides. And I'm like, this is not going to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just not this is just not it. So um, I think for me, it's it's like, you know, it's what's the tagline? What's the problem you're solving? Um, how does, why is your solution quite a better? And then to me, honestly, on the biotech side, and I think medtech is a similar, depending on what stage you are, is really data, right? It's really like showcasing like, okay, this is why we're proving that what we're doing is unique and differentiated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like it's a lot of it, honestly, is like, it's one of those things where, I mean, it's, I've had conversations about it this week where like, I think just the power of storytelling um, is so underrated mm-hmm. um, and is essentially the skill that I think, I mean, even myself as a VC, but anyone in general, like if you can tell a really good story and understand what that person is looking for, it, it is so helpful. And I think the other thing that people need to remember is like, I think you need to do homework and your research mm-hmm. on like, you know, who are you reaching out to? What's their background? What did they invest in? Listen to like them on podcasts like this, but also like, you know, go and see, have they talked in other places? Do you know, do you know somebody who's at the firm? What's their background look like? Just because, I mean, there's other people that reach out and it's like, oh, you know, we're developing a, you know, food marketplace software and your your company looks really good for it. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this person clearly didn't do their homework. Like, you know, they're <laughs> clearly just like sending like a marketing email to a thousand people. Um, yeah. And the other thing is personalizing it. I think like the more research, like, and again, I don't think it takes too much effort because I mean, even, even for me, when I was reaching out to like a hundred VCs, like cold email, like it was really just like, okay, 
look at their website, look at their background, look at their profile, look at their LinkedIn. What are they interested in? What do they talk about? And if you can, the other thing I, I, I always go back to too is, so I read a lot of psychology and one of the things in it, uh, there's a really good book called Influence by this guy called Robert Cialdini. So I don't mm -hmm. know if you're familiar with mm -hmm. the book, but it's, yeah. a, it's a fantastic book. Um, and one of the ideas is this idea of principle of similarity, um, where essentially, and a lot of sales guys use this too, you can see it, but it's also, it works really effectively where it's like, if you and I can find one thing that makes us the same, whether it's we like the NFL, whether it's we like the color red, whether it's we have the same car, what well, I don't care, it doesn't even matter. That just small thing yeah. gets the other person to be like, oh, okay, this person, like, even subconsciously gets the other person to be like, huh, okay, maybe I should take a look because maybe this person's kind of similar to me. So mm -hmm. I think it's like small tips and tricks like that. Um, at the end of the day, my thing is like, don't overcomplicate it. Don't give them too much information. Um, have a clean deck. Also making sure like, I think spending time on like even design, like PowerPoint design, it sounds like such a simple and kind of like weird thing. But I, I found like even myself where when we're putting together pitch decks that we send externally, I mean, you can find people now. I mean, you know, you go on Fiverr, you go on, mm -hmm. you know, Upwork, you go on all these platforms where you can find PowerPoint designers for like really reasonable, like under a mm hundred -hmm. bucks kind of thing. Um, and just to spend like an extra little bit of money and time just to get somebody to make it look nicer makes such a difference um, yeah. in getting people to read it, open it, see it and be like, huh, this person has clearly spent time. So I think it's like, to me, it's it's small changes or small things that I think you have to think about. But if you put those all together, then it just makes you have a much better chance of being me being like, or somebody else being like, huh, okay, this person's interesting. I need to reach in and I need to talk to them. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I think summary of kind of everything is like, make sure you do your homework, keep it short, keep it clean, make sure you're explaining the problem and then, you know, and personalize it. That's the other yep. thing as well. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really good stuff. And just to unpack a little, a little, a little, a little, uh, or that, that summary, right, that you just mentioned. Yeah. And, I, and I want to circle back around at the storytelling um, concept because mm, it's a sure. topic, I should say, because it's so, so crucial. And I think a lot of founders yeah. and CEOs, especially in mid tech, completely yeah. understand that. When they're when they're pitching someone like yourself, you have to tell a compelling story, right? Yeah. I mean, you cannot yeah. you cannot expect someone on the other side of the table to connect yeah, the to dots. Know exactly you know, yeah, no. no, you have to they connect won't. the dots in a compelling yeah. way uh, for them. But um, yeah. just real quick with re with respect to kind of that summary, right? Of how do I yeah. get how do I get in front of uh, of you? Um, you laid out mm -hmm. like four or five different different things there, but a yeah. couple things that that really stand out. You don't an intro is great. Right, but yeah. a lot, the, the reality is that a lot of people listening to this, they don't, they're not going to be able to find intros to every single yeah, PC, which right? is fine. Yeah. But, but, but just a little bit of research, right? So yeah. this could be as yeah. simple as, again, to your point, looking at LinkedIn, look at looking at previous investments they led, yeah. right? So yeah. looking at press yeah. releases press, yeah. and just trying to find something. There's usually yeah. something that you can find, right? Uh, to 100%. make to make just a little bit of a connection. Google's right? really good. <laughs> yeah, it really, really works well. Yeah. People just underestimate it. Really and and, and well. hey, maybe ask ChatGPT. Maybe Bard. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Hey, oh hey. my God. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think it's it's all that stuff that's going to be like a, I think an unlock today. But I, I yeah. to your point, even even now, just the manual like entering like that person's name, that person's website, that person's yeah. like LinkedIn and investments that they've led and what their website looks like. Like there's a lot of information you can find. That's yep. pretty of it. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And, and then, and then kind of, uh, I guess once maybe I found a little bit of a connection, yeah. I can't send you like an email with like eight, nine, 10 paragraphs long and just no. like vomit in your inbox. No. Yeah. And, and we talked, we, we kind of joked about this a little bit about like focusing on the six inches in front of you. Yeah. The, the goal is I just want, if I'm reaching out to you cold, I just want to reply. That's it, That's it. at this stage, yeah. right? I don't yeah. need you to say yes to a pitch. I need yeah. just to reply. That's yeah. it. That's all I'm looking for. So it, like yeah. the, 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 the email should be short and to the point yeah. and try to get your attention. Right. And yeah. then, and then the other thing I think that, st that stands out, I'm really, really glad you brought up is, is, um, the design of the deck, right? Yeah. Let, let, let's presume your deck is in good shape from a storytelling perspective, yeah. right? That's yeah. kind of entrance into the game. Yeah. But I've seen so many decks and I'm sure you have too. They're just yeah. so ugly. And it's like, so I don't, ugly. I don't, kind of, I yeah. don't even want to look at it. It's just, yeah. I don't, it's just too ugly. It's like walking yeah. into, yeah. it's like walking into an Apple store. That's yeah. looks like a Goodwill. 
You know, yeah, it's like yeah, no one yeah. like the the, the they this don't match. This doesn't work. This doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and it's and, and it, you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on this. It's Not, just literally yeah. like finding again someone on Fiverr, Upwork, whoever. Yeah, just yeah. to clean it up. Even referrals too. Like I'm sure, like you know, a lot of founders know other founders and other startups. Yep. Like you can definitely find decks that are very clean, very nice. Even now, there's like I mean, today for example, I was talking to an intern that was working on a project, and there's this website called like Beautiful AI, Beautiful Slides AI, or something mm. like that. I don't know if you'd heard of that. I, I'll put it in like the um. Uh, what's it called in the chat so like i don't know if people want to take a look at it themselves but it's like one of those things where like now with ai and now with technology yeah. you don't even need to find someone to do it yourself like you can spend a little bit of time and make it look and like you look at it and it's like just small like a small change like it might yep. take you an hour max to kind of figure it out because all your information you've already done you already know the story you already know what you're selling it's really yep. just like minor tweaks that like make it just look a bit prettier and yep. that small thing, like, I mean, there's a reason why I'm sure you're the same as me, where I've heard a lot of Steve Jobs stories and a lot of stories of people who work with him and have built with him. And he was so, so, so like, spent a lot of time on design mm -hmm. and the quality of design and making it look good. And people, I think at the time were like, you have a phone, what does it matter? You have a music player, what does it matter? Like, it's all the same functionally. And he was like, no, it really matters. Mm -hmm. Because if we want the people to have the experience that it looks clean. And I think it's, it's one of those that even for me, like, I think only in the last, I would say year or two, have I been like, huh? It that just that small, small, subtle change in design really yeah. makes a difference because it just I think it just adds to your credibility. That's yeah. what it does, because it makes you look like even before anybody's seen the first impression of you is this person's smart. This person's concise. This person's direct. This person can tell a story and this person cares about design and cares about quality. Mm -hmm. And just those things, even if you don't, <laughs> even, if you, like, <laughs> even if it's not the presentation of it um, can really, really help you a lot. So, yeah I, yeah, I just think it's one of those things that like I don't know if enough people talk about, but I'm like, oh, it makes such a difference. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, in fact, yeah. I'm, I'm remembering uh, like a deck that I just looked at maybe a couple months ago and there was actually like a real like they had done a really nice job in terms like the preclinical work around this 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 particular device yeah but it was so hard to, to piece through because the deck was yeah. so ugly i was ugly. like, like yeah. guys this is like you're expecting me to kind of like filter through all this garbage but you've got really good substance here yeah but it just yeah just spend spend a couple hours and clean it up right you don't have to do it yeah. find someone to do it for you you know what i mean absolutely so, yeah. and that's the thing people I, I think a lot of this you can outsource even if you're yeah. not the expert you can definitely find someone who understands kind of how to do these things and how to put it together so yeah i just think and because i think to me it fits in with what you're saying before the storytelling aspect right mm -hmm. of like that's how you tell the story too of like yep. what the story looks like is also a part of it because to your point i've seen the same thing where you have some companies where i'm like oh my god this data is beautiful and it's great if you understand it but then you look at the deck and you're like this is not like you know what i mean like even for me to like for like for one company for example actually a med device company we were working at earlier this year unbelievable product really cool science really cool preclinical data doing really well but i looked at the deck and i was like i don't even want to send this to other people because like <laughs> it doesn't look you know what i mean like even yeah. though i know and, and i have to caveat with the like Oh guys, by the way, this deck doesn't look great, but I promise you it's really good. You know what I mean? But if you don't have to get to that problem or you don't have to like give you that context, it just helps and makes such a difference. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point because you're going to share that internally, right? Yeah. With other other oh colleagues, maybe yeah. even externally, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And and uh yeah, if you're if you're happy to like put an asterisk by Hey, uh, ignore how terrible this looks, but yeah. it's really good. Yeah. I mean, that's not a yeah. good position to be not in. Not a so. good, no, it's really, really hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's sure. good stuff. I guess one yeah. other quick follow-up question before we get kind of to, to, to the to the pitch um, yeah. is uh, deck versus executive summary. Uh, do you have mm. a preference? Do you, do you still, are you still seeing executive summaries these days? We, like yeah, we see some. I think to me, it feels very like, it feels much more like historical and much more like banker-esque, if that makes yeah. sense, where it's yeah. like, you know, 
a banker wants you to put together a thing, you get like the exact summary and then you get a deck and it's kind of both. To me, like one, you should have a lot of versions of your deck, right? Like right. you should have the version that you pitch to internals, the version that you pitch to strategics, the version that you pitch to investors, the version that you pitch to angels versus institutionals. Um, yeah. And I, like, I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs talk about this where like you have a master version and then yeah. you have like, let's say 40 slides and then you filter it based on who you need to send to. So I think one, knowing your audience and knowing who you're pitching is really important. But to me, the stuff that I like is like literally it's like under 10 slides. It's like really clean. It's very succinct. It describes a problem really easily and quickly. You can tell the person spent time because they're sending you something that is relevant to you. So they're, you know, not looking for something different. Um, but to me, I, I, I think an executive summary is great because some people might like it. And again, this is a preference thing. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm talking about what I've seen, mm -hmm. but to me, something that is like, it looks clean and is under 10 slides and sort of describes everything that you want. That's enough for me to be yeah. like, okay, this is, I can judge this on, should this be interesting or not? Yeah. Um, that to me is the kind of biggest thing. Got it. Yeah. And you're not, you're not, it's, it's not different. I so, so the last time I had a similar type of interview like this was with uh, Garhan Kong with HealthQuest Capital. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. A yeah. couple of years ago now, maybe yeah. a long, maybe a little bit longer. And he mentioned the very same thing. He's like, just, I don't like, I don't even want to see executive summaries. Just send me the 10 to 10 to 12, yeah. maybe 15 slide deck. And, and, it it's not that much a uh, much more of a commitment right to, to look through no, the deck versus read your summary you know what i mean so um, everybody and, and this is the thing i think even for me like again full transparency around like you know how the how the thing is done is like we get so many emails so many pitches so many things we'll look through 10 slide decks in literally a minute or two right like yeah. we'll literally just like click through and as long as you get yeah. some stuff that there that you like look to so i think this is the other thing some people just underestimate is like unless you have big teams and like massive analysts, you don't go like, you don't spend a lot of time per deck. Yeah. I just, I can't like, it's just a function of time. Like I don't mm -hmm. have time to go through everything. Um, and so for me, like a lot of those you go through quickly and you just want enough that you, again, like I said, enough there that you're like, okay, I would follow up and I really want to learn about this. So I have this question because this could be interesting. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of it too is, is what we just emphasize the point of like really knowing your audience and knowing who you're pitching to. And if that's within scope, because like, again, I, I get ideas that I'm like, this is great. And this is an awesome opportunity, but like, I can't touch this. Like, this is mm -hmm. not what we do. This is not who I am. So I think just spending that extra little, like five minutes to do some research, I think makes such a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So crucial because if I'm sending you a deck for a seed stage investment, you're like, I, we, I haven't made a seed stage investment and in like never, you know, yeah. I mean, it's all, yeah. it's all like, like I can look personal. at it. And again, like <laughs> if, it, if it's to me, it's like, it's one of those things where sometimes like I'll take calls and conversations if I believe in the team and I believe in the product, even if I can't invest in it, because mm -hmm. like, I still know enough people in our industry and people that I know to try and like make some connections if I can. But even then, like, there's so many, I just, I can't like, what am I going to do with this? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, just knowing your audience is such a big thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just tactically before we get to the next, the next kind of part of this, this, this kind of behind the curtain sort of yeah. uh, uh, conversation or discussion anyway, is um you mentioned earlier, like I, I'm going, I'm in the throes of this right now with fast wave, right? Raising, we're raising our series B. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically, like if you're if you're new to this kind of fundraising game, like yeah, ma having a master presentation that maybe is like 150, yeah. 200 slides, maybe yeah, you know, yeah, you you want yeah. that, and then again, like separate subfolders of like, okay, here, here's how I'm going to pitch, you know, maybe this more, person here's yeah, a, yeah, 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 here here's here's the deck that's ideal for the the exact stage you know, investor that invests at this stage. Here's yeah. a deck that's maybe, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to get a, a more of a late stage investor to come in early. Here's yeah. a different deck for maybe seed stage angels that want to follow. It, yeah. it Set up those different types of like sort of subfolders, right? Based on the audience yeah. that you're going to pitch. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, I'm glad you- I'm glad And you it just made, to your point, it just makes it easier where like, if you start with the master, you start with building every slide, everything that you would have a question for everything. Yeah. Then as you have more conversations, and I think the other thing that, I mean, this is, I mean, even going through fundraising, this is one of those things that I think entrepreneurs just sometimes highly underestimate and it's something that we even we even talk about internally like we make a joke about it because i think it's always true is you're always fundraising like <laughs> even if you're not fundraising you are fundraising mm -hmm. um and i think it's one of those things where 
especially when you're, especially like I've seen really good CEOs and good startup execs do this, where it's like, they're always having conversations with investors. They're always keeping them updated. They're always like, okay, like, here's what we're doing. We don't necessarily need things now, but I just want to let you know what, like what's going on. Um, yeah. And it's one of those things that like, I think people sometimes, especially now, they only come out when they need money. And obviously it's one of those where like, but if you haven't built a relationship over a long time and you have no traction, I haven't seen you progress. It's really hard for me to judge if this is something really differentiated. Right? Yep. And so I think really kind of showcasing that and understanding like you're, you are always fundraising. I mean, yeah. like that's, that's essentially kind of, yeah. even as venture, even as VCs for us, like we have funds that we're deploying, we're still technically fundraising, like always, yeah. like we're always trying to talk to other investors and LPs and figure out how to do it for ourselves. Um, and so I think it's, it's just, yeah, one of those things to kind of keep in mind is like, I, it's hard in general. I, I kudos to anyone that can fundraise and raise money because it's, it is not easy. Um, but it's one of those that like, there's definitely an art to it. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things that I think, especially like if you're, if you, I mean, if you've done this a few times, I think you can kind of understand and go back to people that you know before, but if you're early and new to the game, um, it's hard. Uh, and <laughs> you have to, it's, you, it's a really relationship game at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to kind of build those over time because that doesn't happen overnight. Yep. Yep. No doubt. Um, let's, let's get to the pitch side. So let's, let's presume yeah. I've gotten your attention, right? You look yeah. through my, my, my nice looking, you know, it's got a good design. It's got a good story yeah. behind the deck. And you're like, yeah, this could, this could be interesting. Yeah. Let's set up a call. Yeah. Walk us through kind of like what, and maybe, maybe you want to start with kind of with the, with the process and then maybe, you know, yeah. touch on, touch on what a, what a good pitch should look like, okay. but like at, yeah. at a high level, what, what does this process typically look like for your, your, your team in terms of you know, from start to finish, intro yeah. pitch, deal, like, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me let me go through the process and then I can talk about good pitches versus ones I've seen that ones that like, I like memorable ones at least. So it's just a process. It's like typically like myself or another person on our team will get an inbound from some company. We're like, okay, this might fit our, our you know, our thesis, what we're doing. Like, let's take an intro meeting. So usually that intro meeting is myself. Sometimes I loop in other colleagues. Oftentimes, excuse me, if I don't know, if I don't think it's a like, like, for example, on the device side or diagnostic side, if it's like a C diagnostic, like I don't need to bring in other people, right? Like I just know that like that might not be for us, but like it's something that I'll take a look at and it's fine. Um, so typically you get like one or two members of our team that look at it. Once we have an initial meeting, then it's like, okay, is this interesting? Is this not interesting? Sometimes after that, we'll bring in more members of our team. So if it's only myself, then I'll bring in like a second or third or fourth member, be like, hey, you know, what is going on? Do you like this? Do not? If at that point in time, we think it's interesting and want to do it, then typically for our process, we typically have the company present in front of our whole team. Um, And so like, we'll ask follow-up questions. We'll like, you know, you know, do spend a bit more time, uh, start to do things. And then once our team kind of like says the, okay, and Hey, this is interesting or Hey, this is not, if they do, then we start to go into like real diligence. So then it's like, you know, it's CDA, it's, you know, data room, it's talking to customers, talking to product managers, talking to other members of your team, talking to other investors that have already invested in you, um, talking to like, if we know people on the competitor side, or if we know people who are in that same industry, um, because we're reaching out to those folks to find out. Um, And then it's just like, you know, it's term sheet. Are we leading? Are we not leading? Um, If we are not, then who's leading? And we have to talk to their lead investor. What do the terms look like? Does this make sense? Does this not? Um, And then once the term sheet is kind of signed, then it's really legals, which is just like, you know, crossing I's, dotting T's, who are the lawyers representing each side? What kind of IP diligence and sort of last minute stuff do we have to do? Does it make sense? Does this not? So, I mean, in terms of timelines and process, sometimes it's very quick, right? If you like, you know, and, and years past, it obviously was because markets were very hot. I think now obviously things are taking time. And I think that's the other thing to just keep in mind to entrepreneurs is like always prioritize and have in mind that your fundraising process is going to take longer than you think. Even if you think it's going to take long, it will take longer just because people are slow. It's definitely stuff is not moving as, as fast as it is. I think money is out there and people are definitely looking for opportunities. Um, but it's one of those that like you're, you're not going to, you're not seeing deals syndicated in weeks versus mm-hmm. like you were before. It's going to take time. Um, and it's 
it's also finding the right investor who fits your profile, who also has a good network, has also done it before, who also has experience and can reach out to their networks as well. Um, and so, okay, so that's in terms of the process and just kind of so, start to finish as we think about that. Yeah. So practically, what 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 is like maybe a typical time, right? We're recording this in like yeah. 2023. Um, yeah. I don't think it's probably going to change dramatically over the next, you know, one to two years. But like, is this, yeah. a, is this a three-month process? Is it a six-month process? What it's, you... So I would say, again... I hate the answer, but it's also true. It really depends, obviously. There's so much to, to say that. I would say, like, let's say I've never met the company before. Like, first time I ever met them. Don't know any background. Don't know any context. The first time I'm kind of meeting them and going through. I would probably say it takes over three months in terms of, like, initial meeting through to diligence to terms to finding it. Syndication, I think it might actually take longer. Like, I've heard deals. Sometimes it takes, like, you'll sign a term sheet, but syndication will take an extra three to six months, mm. right, on top of that to find the money. Again, Every, everything is the caveat of it depends if you're raising a two million dollar round very different than raising a hundred million dollar round right mm -hmm. like there, there's a lot that kind of goes through that um so i would say yeah i would probably say like three to six months on average in terms of kind of what you're doing but again depending on where you are with what investors at what stages that can accelerate not accelerate um strategics for example if you have those on board those sometimes take a while because it takes like the bureaucracy that you have to get through to get like to the right level to get the decision maker to then sign off and also they don't lead so you have to find the lead check because they're kind of always in the background mm -hmm. um so it's just it's one of those things that like it just it, it does it, i would say usually three to six months for argument's sake got it that's, yeah. that's super helpful hey there it's scott and thanks for listening in so far the rest of this conversation is only available via our private podcast for medsider premium members if you're not a premium member yet you should definitely consider signing up You'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, Nadeem Yared, CEO of CVRX, and so many others. As a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medical device and health technology entrepreneurs. In addition, you'll get a copy of every volume of MedSider Mentors at no additional cost. To learn more, head over to medsiderradio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's medsiderradio.com forward slash premium.